your gift to him that way. I think that's it. Pastor Dan, it's when you clap. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Ellie and the worship team. We're not here to perform or check off, check off any boxes. We are here to worship him. Amen? Such a great reminder. And uh, welcome to Disciples Church. It's good to see all of you here this morning and braving the uh, warm weather. If you uh, came in lukewarm, then thanks to the 110 degrees today, you'll be on fire on your way out. So, uh, so that's a good thing, right? Well, we're going to jump right into uh, this morning's message. And we get to dive back into our summer series, Flawed and Fruitful. And something, uh, a realization came and hit me this week as I was preparing for this morning. And it's the reality that as we've been talking, we're in part six this morning, as we've been talking about being flawed and fruitful and what that looks like and the fact that God is, it looks past our flaws and to our heart and the seeds that he's planted and the harvest that he's pulling up out of us is that we like to be the center of those stories a lot of the time. The realization that, yes, we are flawed, and yes, there's some great fruit in me that God is trying to pull out of, and yet that is all, that, that's all true. And we're even going to touch on that a little bit this morning. But I think that another call, another ask that God asks us to do in this, in this truth of being flawed and fruitful is to look past the flaws to the fruit in the lives of other people. And it's not just about us looking past the flaw, our flaws uh, to get to the fruit that God is, is planted, but to be able to, to take the time, to take the effort to stop and to pause and to see the people that God has put in our lives, the community that he has made us a part of, and to be disciplined enough to stop and to see past the flaws to get to the fruit of the people that we do life with. Amen? Looking through the flaws to see the fruit. It's a beautiful thing how God looks and looks at and knows his children. He knows you and I through and through. God looks at his people with eternal eyes. He sees past this minute of our life. He sees past this day of our life. He sees past this month and this year. He sees through the lens of eternity. God sees the heart and all that is in it. He sees it because he is always molding it for those who say yes to his ways. Man tends to see people through the here and now lens, don't we? There are times where we have our moments where we dig a little deeper, we, we, uh, we pause and we, and we, we give uh, uh, we, the benefit of the doubt. We do these things, but a lot of the time as man, we tend to see people through the here and now lens, through that one awkward social you know, encounter with somebody or that one odd opinion that they shared or that one time you've spent with them and we tend to have a here and now lens and don't see past that. And it's because of that that we seldom get to the fruit of a person because usually we stop at the flaws of today. We stop at the flaws of today. We don't consider that we all are in different places of preparation on our journey of living out God's call in our lives. Some of us and the people we encounter might be in a process that they are trying to work through. They're going through a battle. They're going through a season. They're going through something that no one else knows about. 
They might be working through anger. They might be working through doubt. They might be working through hurt. They might be working through loneliness or fear or pride or loss. And all of these things can create physical symptoms that can make us look flawed in the eyes of man. But God sees us with eternal eyes. He and he knows the seeds are in place, and he knows the heart that he's trying to cultivate. And God asks us to be a people to not look with eyes that only see the outward appearances of today to determine their value, but to try and look past all of that to see the heart that God is in the process of molding. How many of you guys would agree that we're very thankful that we are always in process, that God is always drawing things out from us? So with that said, this morning I want to continue in our flawed but fruitful series and dive into a topic that speaks to the core of, of our Christian walk, looking past someone's flaws to discover the beauty within their heart, or looking through the flaws to see the fruit. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, as we continue to talk about seeing past the flaws, to get to the fruit, to get to the heart of the matter. I pray, Father, that you would uh, soften our hearts this morning. Let us step outside of the story for a minute. Let us look at this through the lens of how other people in our life feel. Look through the lens of the brothers and sisters that we do life with, those that might be on the outskirts or feel as the outcasts those that maybe we need to do a, a, a deeper look at and, and spend some time with and, and get to the heart of the matter. Let us this morning see people the way that you see people. Let this morning be a, launching, a launch point to us looking at our communities and our neighbors and our friends and our community here at this church in a fresh new way. The eyes of love, the eyes of caring, the eyes, the eyes of wanting to see the best in the people that we do life with. So, Father, I pray this morning, even in, in this sermon, that you would uh, get past the flaws and get to the fruit. In your name I pray. Amen. We're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, and we're going to read the account of David being anointed and, and pull from it hopefully some truths. Uh, that will help us do just that, look through the flaws to see the fruit in other people's lives. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to sacrifice to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, and Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. I mean, I don't know what this kind of looked like in my head as I was reading. It was like a catwalk of sons going down <laughs> and being told by Jesse, when you get to the end, do a little turn, share your interests and your hobbies, come on back. Um, anyway, I couldn't get it out of my head when I was reading that. Are these all the sons you have? Sam and, uh, uh, someone asked, or Samuel asked. There is still a youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he, sent him for, uh, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features, still looking at his appearance. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in, the, in his presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now, in the moment, he was just a shepherd boy. In another version, Jesse actually calls him the runt. But something was happening well before this moment. God was at work in this young man's life. God was in the process of preparing him for the moment that was being overlooked. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26, it's a parable of the growing seed. And Jesus says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or, or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stock, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. And this is the way of God and was his way with David. Quietly and mysteriously, God is planting his seeds and growing his harvest. He prepares you, he prepares me, and all the people that God puts in our lives in this manner, just as he did and prepared David, privately, quietly, almost invisibly. A life of preparation, finding himself at different places of growth and of failure at times, working through his life with God. God had quietly prepared David for this, for his role as a great king of Israel. For years, God had prepared David's inner qualifications, characteristics which would bring glory to God. Throughout David's life, God would use everything, consequences, trials, successes, relationships, aloneness, error, folly, betrayals, to deepen those inner qualifications. But at the point we pick up in David's story here, God has already shaped David within, quietly, even unbeknownst to his own family, become a man after God's own heart in the fields as a shepherd boy. God had been working in David's life all along, preparing him. God knew this man's heart. And again, after passing through every son Jesse provided him, Samuel asks, are, your, are all your sons here? And God Rejected everyone, no one was left, so Samuel asked if, if these were all his sons, and Jesse admitted, no, there's one more. <laughs> David, the youngest, was not invited to the ceremony. Instead, he was out in the fields keeping the sheep. No longer thought of, at least in this moment, as a son, but a servant. There was no need for David to attend the table in the eyes of his family. 
It wouldn't be a stretch to say that David was the, the family reject, banished to do uh, menial tasks of shepherding alone in the wilderness. Jesse called him the youngest, a reference to his age, but also to the stature as the smallest and least in his family's sight. David wrote in Psalms 27, my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. This was a man in process, a man being molded by God through life's struggles, looked at and perceived to be flawed in the moment, but beautiful in the eyes of the father. The merciful truth in this is that God is working in our life right now, in all of our struggles, and maybe to the world around you, you might seem flawed, but God looks to the heart and says, you are a good, that you are good, and I am preparing you for great things, just like he did with David. See, God knows our hearts, and, and guess what? He's doing that same work in the lives of those around you, again, pulling ourselves out from the center of the story and remembering that there are people in our lives that God is preparing just like this. Maybe even those who you have failed to see past the flaws of. Some of those flaws God is using to prepare them for his work and need someone to not overlook them because of their flaws. Sometimes God uses all the junk and hurt of life to help drive us towards him. It says in Romans chapter 8, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that should cause us to pause in moments of discounting somebody for what we might perceive as a flaw. Realize that God is doing something in their life and ask yourself these questions. I wonder what God is preparing for them. What is God preparing them for? And I wonder where they're at in that process. And moreover, God, do you have a part for me to play in that process? Just as Samuel's part was to play in David's life, was to bless and anoint David and call him forth to God's will for his life. Who has God led you to bless? Who has God called you to love? Who has God called you to disciple or at the very least befriend at this point in their process? What is that person? Who is that person who needs someone to see them the way that God sees them? We might not be able to see a person's heart, but we know a God who can. And he gives us clues all throughout Scripture about how we can be more in tune and look past outward appearances, the flaws, to see a child of God who is in that process just like you and me. But I can't tell you how incredibly grateful I am that as a broken young man with a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and very quiet, there were those who were willing to look past those flaws and pull out from me the seeds that God had planted early on. that I wasn't cast off or overlooked for those who were maybe more well-spoken or more popular or had the cooler car, which no one had a cooler car than me. So. <laughs> <coughs> but that I wasn't overlooked because of what I perceived, what I thought, and what to be believed as, as flaws that people would overlook me for one reason or another. And those clues that help us tune in and to not miss the fruit, the beautiful fruit that is within our brothers and sisters. There's some things that God, that we should remember. First, one of the things to do to tune into this is, is remember God's perspective. 
In Scripture, God looks beyond external appearances and flaws to examine the heart. As we've read early already in 1 Samuel 16, it says, For the Lord does not see a man as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This reminds us that we should strive to see others as God sees them, to get to the matters of the heart of who they are, of who someone is as a child of God. He is looking for the poor in spirit, those who mourn for the brokenhearted. He searches for the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He pursues the merciful and the pure of heart and the peacemakers, as it says in Matthew chapter 5. In the Old Testament, he often used to choose the, the last born or the outcast. In the New Testament, he would choose the fishermen and the sinners. The attributes he respects are not connected to privileges like fame or wealth or, or education. He's not looking for beauty or personality. God celebrates the inner qualities that any human being on earth can, can, can possess. Whether it's the poorest or the dirtiest or the most marginalized, these people can, we can all possess character, gratitude, purity, generosity, and love. God looks at the heart and searches for these qualities in all of us. What if we started looking for those qualities in those that we do life with? What if it wasn't based on what they look like or how they talk or, or what they do or how socially awkward they might be? But we look for the qualities, the character, the gratitude, the purity, the generosity, the love, the gifts that God has put in them. Amen. Remembering that God sees past our flaws to the seeds he has planted. That should help us want to get to those places and others and nurture them. The second thing to help us tune in is recognizing our own imperfections. This is a tough one, right? None of us are imperfect. Tells me you all believe that. <laughs> Scripture reminds us that we are all flawed and in need of, need of God's grace. In Romans chapter 3, it says, For we all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Understanding our own imperfections can help cultivate empathy, can cultivate compassion towards others, recognizing that they are, too, on a journey of growth and transformation. We need to exercise that Matthew 7 that we we don't want to read from very often of taking the planks out of our own eyes before trying to clean the sawdust out of our brothers and sisters' eyes. No one says amen on that one. <laughs> Ever. Another tool that we have in our arsenal to tune in to getting to the heart of the matter is forgiveness and reconciliation. Scripture teaches the importance of forgiveness and reconciliation. Matthew chapter 6 says, if you, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. By looking past someone's flaws and extending forgiveness, we can foster healing and restoration in relationships, in our communities. And as God's people, and as hard as it can be at times, trust me, we are called to still be about the Father's business of redeeming all things to him. If all things and all people were perfect, there would be no need for redemption, right? A people willing to recognize that they too are in need of forgiveness opens the door of grace to others. It's another thing we can do to get in tune and get to the heart of the matter. Seeking the good in others. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it encourages us to focus on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. 
by intentionally seeking the positive aspects in others, we can shift our perspective and find the good in them despite the flaws. This mindset allows us to foster understanding and to foster kindness and encouragement. And I'm telling you right now, out of all the different uh, clues and, and, and tools that God gives us to see past the flaws and get to the fruit of his children, this is the, this is the nugget to see past the flaws to the fruit in people. Being intentional about finding the good. It is so easy to find the bad, amen? It is so easy to find the flaw. It's always easy to see, the, see someone's downfall. It is really hard to be intentional to find the good in others. And this is the beauty of how God sees his people. The, the world says to be skeptical. Expect the worst. And at the first sign of a flaw that we don't like, move on. The kingdom says, sit with them a while. Speak to their heart and be attentive to what comes back. Which brings me to the final little clue, little tool here is cultivating a spirit of love. Love is a central piece to how God looks at the heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 says, provides a description of love highlighting its patient, kind, and forgiving nature. When we choose to look past people's flaws and focus on their hearts, we embody love, the love that Scripture calls us to. This love can inspire growth, healing, transformation, not only in ourselves but in others. And it's because of the Father's love, church, that our lives produce fruit at all. It's because of what He sees out of love that cuts through our flaws and makes us usable vessels. I just want to share with you kind of a find the fruit tip sheet, if you will. <laughs> Some things to remember as we do life with one another. God sees you, but recognize that God sees those around you too. Give the respect to that truth that it deserves. We are not always the central point of the story. Come on. Second tip is God chose you. Recognize that God chooses those around you too. They have purpose too. God knows you. Recognize that God knows them deeply too. The good, the bad, and the ugly, we all share in that. God hears you, but recognize that God hears those around you too. And they are crying out for love too. And sometimes God is asking you and me to be the bringer of that love, to be the bringer of that encouragement, to be the bringer of that hope. God speaks to you. Recognize that God speaks to those around you too. They are crying out for that love. Fifth thing, fifth thing is that God, uh, I'm sorry, God speaks to those. He's not just trying to mold you. Uh, you are not the only one in process. And that's sometimes what we forget. We sometimes feel as though we're the only ones going through something. <laughs> we are the only ones that are having to work through those things that I mentioned earlier. We're the only ones working through loneliness. We're the only ones working through hurt. We're the only ones working through stuff. And uh, can easily overlook that those around us are going through some of the same things. 
God saved us and gave us life. Well, we got to recognize that God's plan for that is not just limited to us. Now, these all sound like duh statements, right? Like, duh, Pastor Dana, I get it. Those are, those are all very, I can say yes and amen to all of those. Those are all good. But uh, often forgotten when looking at people through their flaws. They're often forgotten statements when we're trying to look at people and look past their flaws. These truths are also easily forgotten when looking at ourselves through our flaws. We forget that God hears us, that God's speaking to us, that God knows us, that God's chosen us, that God sees us. This is the eternal lens that we will never master. But we serve a God who sees everything. He sees the heart and is asking us to lean into his wisdom and give what we have been given. Well, what have we been given? That we can give to those around us. We have been given grace. We have been given love. We have been given forgiveness. We've been given a hope that there's someone who sees beyond the flaws and draws up out of us what God already sees. That we'd be a people who gives a second look that goes beyond the outward appearance of who someone is and strive to see where they are at in God's preparation and what God might be doing with them in that moment. And just maybe, God will use you and I to call them out from behind their flaws to the beauty within. Church scripture encourages us to look past people's flaws and focus on their hearts. By adopting God's perspective, recognizing our own imperfections, practicing forgiveness, and seeking the good in others and cultivating a spirit of love, we can develop a compassionate attitude towards those around us and celebrate the fruit within the heart of God's people, which is what we're called to do. God invites us. And at this particular point, I'd like to invite the worship team as well. We get ready to land the plane here. God invites us to see people beyond their flaws. And he invites us to see ourselves beyond ours as well. As we shift our focus from outward appearances to the heart, we participate in God's redemptive work. This morning, let's extend grace. Let's extend love. Let's extend mercy to others, helping them discover their worth and purpose in Christ. So by doing so, we reflect the heart of our loving Heavenly Father. Someone say amen. So the question I want to leave us all with this morning, because going back to David, here's this ceremony. Samuel's there. He's asking for all of Jesse's sons to go. This is going to be an important moment where God is going to choose someone. He's going to anoint someone to be king. And Jesse brings all the ones he perceived to not have any problems, <laughs> that he perceived to be the best. David wasn't even invited. So the question is, who have you and I forgotten about that need to be invited to the table? Who is that person in our life, in our sphere of influence, in our community? The outcast, the quiet, the, the hurt, the lonely whatever it might be, who have we forgotten about that need to be invited to that table? To see the calling that God has put on their life come to fruition. 
to see the fruit that God has planting the planted the seeds for all this time that is waiting to be harvested. Who's that person who is in the middle of preparation? They were out in the in the fields attending to other things. God has been speaking to them, raising them up, building them, and is waiting for that opportunity for someone to see them the way that God sees them. Would you stand with me this morning? Sometimes it's good to do like a little object lesson. I was going to put papers in all of our chairs. We we're going to have them write that name. But then I thought maybe that person is sitting next to somebody. We shouldn't do that. But there's somebody that we push away. There's somebody that we think less than. And again, it's easy for us to put ourselves in the center of the story that yes, we have flaws, God, and you're going to draw forth the fruit from our lives. I wonder if we pull ourselves out of that for a moment and just say, God is doing that in the lives of everyone else around us and that we have a part to play in that. We're being asked to be a people who sees past the flaws to the heart, to be someone that they need to hear from, to be loved by, to be prayed for. So would you with me just bow your heads and close your eyes and would you in this moment just take time take time this morning to reflect about those moments where there was that person in your life that prayed for you that person in your life that looked past your flaws that person in your life that looked past whatever it might be, whatever season of life you were in. And so let me help you. Let me walk through this time with you. And as pivotal of a moment that was for you, someone is needing someone like that in their life. Father, help us be that people. Help us be that people that look beyond the outward appearances. Let us be a people that go straight to the heart. There's beauty within. Seeds that are growing. Let us be a people who nurtures that. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for drawing forth from us the fruit that you've planted in, the, the things that you've called us to, that we're walking out today, even though of those times in our lives, those seasons that we were going through, those flaws that we were hanging on so tight to, and you pressed in, you pressed through made a way to let that beauty come out. We want to partner with you, Father. We want to be a light to those around us. We want to be a kind word, a prayerful voice. 
let this flawed and fruitful reality hit us this morning. That we are called to see past and to look past the flaws of others, to get to the heart of the matter, and to get to the fruit. To get to the good stuff. To get to the good.